In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, St. John's Mount Rainier. How wonderful to be with you. Thank you for welcoming me so warmly, for preparing so beautifully. I've never seen so many people who look beautiful in purple all in one place. I have been looking forward to this day for some time. My second official visit to St. John's as your bishop, and I am eager to hear more about how you sense God at work in your lives and in the life of this church. Much has happened here since last I was among you, this I know. I have heard reports of your faithful discerning through both the challenges and blessings that you share, and I want you to know that I hold you and all of your leadership, most especially Father Darko, in my heart and prayers, and I give thanks to God for all of you. Now, today, I want to tell you about three people and ask you to listen for what they have in common, all right? The first is a young boy, sick with cancer, and he was in the hospital undergoing the kind of treatment for cancer that, among other things, causes severe nausea. And during a particularly violent, painful spell of vomiting, he looks up and he says to his mother, I'm taking this medicine, mommy, so that I can get better. That's the first person. Here's the second person. The second is a mother. Uh, she's in her mid-30s. She's raising two young boys. Now, she had always worked as a dental hygienist, you know, the one who cleans your teeth before you're seen by the dentist. And she earned a modest salary, and she liked her work well enough. But she realized that there was very, future, very little future advancement for her in her position. And watching the dentists that she worked for, some of whom were fine dentists, and some of them, frankly, weren't very good, it occurred to her that she would make a very good dentist. And so she decided to pursue studies in dentistry. Now this was a very long journey for her because she first had to return to college to take courses in biology and chemistry. Then she had to apply to dental school, which is a competitive process. And once she was accepted, she needed to find a way to pay for it which in the end she did by joining the Army Reserves, which you may know involves several weekends of service a month plus two weeks of basic training, boot camp. So it took her years to accomplish her goal, and there was much pain and sacrifice along the way for everyone in her family. And during the hardest times, when she was up late at night studying, or away from her family for days at a time, or after she failed an exam and needed to take it again, she would say to herself, I am studying to be a dentist so that I can provide well for my family and do something worthwhile with my life. It's okay. the second example. Okay. Now here's the last. This is a man who grew up in a small town and his family had always been the family in charge of the, vo the volunteer fire department. And um, now he is in charge. 
He doesn't get paid for what he does. All the firefighters in this town are volunteers, and they all do their part to maintain the fire trucks and practice the skills they need in the event of a fire and to take their turn sleeping at night at the fire station. Now, most nights, there aren't any fires, and they play cards, and they wait for the phone to ring. Other nights, they are called, and they have to be ready on a moment's notice. And they do these things, and the man who is in charge oversees them all so that, in the event of a fire, they're ready to help save people's lives that are in danger. Now, what does the boy, the mother, the volunteer captain of the fire station and all the people who work with him, what do they have in common? They have a vision, they have faith, yes, and they have a goal, right? They have a purpose, a larger purpose that informs their daily choices. And in particular, that purpose or that vision of what they're striving for gives them both the capacity and the willingness to make sacrifices, even to suffer, so that they might attain what they're living for. The little boy endures nausea so that he can get better because he believes the medicine is going to help him get better. The mother stays up late at night when she'd rather be sleeping so that she can study and pass her exams and achieve her goal. The man and his team give up many daily pleasures and nights sleeping in their own beds so that they might be ready to save a life if called upon. That is the power of a purpose. The power of asking ourselves not only what we do every day, but why we do what we do. Toward what end? Toward what purpose? And when we, when we receive from ourselves or from our families or from God even the tiniest bit of clarity of a purpose, our ability to live in discomfort, our ability to put aside our distractions and focus on what we need to accomplish for the sake of a goal increases tremendously. Have you experienced that in your life? Yes, of course you have. If there's any among you who have ever played on a sports team, you know something of the physical, the physical cost of doing that and how it's worth it when you're out on the field or wherever you're playing to accomplish your goal. If you're studying in school, if you're caring for your family, if you're leaving one place to go to another for a greater purpose, you know the power of that vision in your life and what it can do for you. And I suggest to you, my friends, that God wants each one of us to live with an understanding of our purpose, or it may be our overall purpose in life or our very short-term purpose in a given situation. Now, think about Jesus. And you might want to, if you have the text in front of you, you might want to take a look at 
um, that little piece of the gospel that I, we just heard read so beautifully. Because Jesus had a very long day one day. It started off with him healing Simon's mother-in-law, and it ended with him healing crowds of people and casting out many demons, right? Don't know what he was doing in the middle of the day, but I would guess he's, he was doing a lot of the same, right? So he was, he was working hard that day. And this is early in his public ministry, so he's just getting started, right? And so I imagine that he went to bed that night pretty tired. But he gets up early the next morning and goes out by himself to pray. And he must have been gone a long time because his friends go searching for him, right? So he wasn't just out for a few minutes. He was gone for a while, which means he was probably sorting through all the things that had happened and all that was going on for him, and he was offering it in prayer, but mulling it over in his mind, trying to figure out what all this meant, this power that he had, the way that people were drawn to him, the ability to cast out demons. And when his friends find him, he had clearly been given greater clarity and an answer to his prayers because he said to them, let's go on to the next town so that I can proclaim God's message there as I did here. And then this wonderful sentence, for that is what I came to do. That is what I came to do. So let's go. He knew his purpose to proclaim God's word, to cast out demons. That is what I have come to do. What have you been placed on this earth to do? St. Paul had a similar moment of clarity in his ministry, and I was just... I was struck as the reader was reading it how many times in that two paragraphs those two words, so that, are there. Because he was being criticized quite a bit at this point because he was a very um, righteous Jew in his younger life and so he took care of all of the rituals and he tended very carefully to all the details all the practices of his faith. But when he became a follower of Jesus he was willing he was willing to give all of that up if it meant that he could reach someone for Christ. He was even willing to become even more fastidious in his practice if it meant he could meet other people, bring other people to Christ. Do you know what I mean? In other words, his goal was to bring people to Christ. And he was willing to do just about anything to make that goal possible. I'm just going to read a few then. For though I am free with respect to all, he's a, he feels free, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under, do you hear what I'm saying? He would go anywhere because of his clarity of purpose. Now, I want to say two things about our purpose. We don't have to wait until we get complete clarity about the purpose in our life or the purposes of what we're doing. We can go, we, we can, we can go a long way on just a little bit of clarity. Do you know what I mean? 
Like, I may not know everything that God has in mind for me, but if I know that I'm in a given situation and I have certain gifts to offer and I can offer them, I'll take just a little bit of clarity to guide me in my way. Right? Doesn't have, I don't need the whole big picture. I can just get a little bit of clarity. And the other thing about our clarity is that sometimes when we start thinking about why we do things, if we're honest, and I'm, I'm being honest here with you, sometimes why I do certain things, some of the purposes that I might have, aren't, aren't the most noble of purposes. And they're certainly not worthy of God. Like, for example, I may spend a lot of time in the morning as I'm getting dressed trying to look my best, right? Trying to, trying to look nice. And when I think about why I'm doing that, if I'm honest, a part of that is for purposes of vanity, right? Which is not exactly the most godly of purposes. Are you with me? All right. Um, but I can acknowledge that to my God and to myself and remember that God sees through the heart and cares far more about how I am on the inside than how I am, how I look on the outside. And that I would offer my whole self to God and to the day. And yes, strive to look my best as a testimony to the gift of my life, but not to get overly confused. Does that make sense? So I acknowledge a purpose that is less than godlike, and rather than deny it or, or beat myself up for it, simply offer that imperfection to God and ask that God reveal to me an even greater purpose. Does that make sense? Or I have two sons. I've raised two sons. They're young men now. And sometimes when I was parenting them, I would want them to do certain things. And if I were completely honest in the moment about why I wanted them to do certain things, it was more because I, it reflected well on me rather than being good for them, right? And if I acknowledge that and ask for God's forgiveness and perhaps theirs, and then say, Lord, help me to be the kind of parent that is striving for their good, not for my pride. I can be brought to a deeper purpose. Now, I still made them get up and go to school, and I still made them come to church on Sunday morning with me. But, but, I, was, but I was asking God to take my purpose and, and unite it with his purpose. And so, day by day, become more Christ-like in my own greater purposes of life. Okay. Now, I'm going to come back around to the three people that I mentioned to you at the beginning. The little boy, he didn't get better. He didn't get better. And um, at some point, his parents had to decide when it was time to stop giving him that medication that was making him so sick because it was not helping him get better. And so they had to find a way to cherish the life that he had been given for the time that he had and to help him prepare for being received into the arms of God and stopping the thing that 
they thought would make him better so that he could live his last days with peace and a sense of well-being. So what they thought, what they did in the beginning for the purposes of wellness for their son, they stopped for a greater purpose of allowing him to live his days in peace. Do you hear the, the poignancy of that and also how sometimes we have to change our thoughts of what's best? They could have kept on going to the very end and he would have died every day being sick from the medication that wasn't making him better. The young mother, who is now, I am proud to tell you, a dentist and practicing. She has a, a small practice, and she's raising her sons. She will say to you that there were times when she was in her studies when she knew that if she studied hard enough and gave up everything to, to study for a test, she could get an A. Right? She knew that she could do that. She also knew that if she did that, if she worked that hard at her studies, she would be neglecting other responsibilities as a parent. So she had to accept that sometimes a C was good enough because her larger goal was to be a good parent toward her children. And so she had to decide every time, am I going to, am I going to study for an A or am I going to study for a C and spend some time reading, my, reading to, to my children tonight. Do you hear the difference? But because her larger goal was to care for her children, she could sort out those daily choices regarding her purpose. And the man who was the volunteer fireman, he had to decide when his town, which is now growing in population and is becoming larger than a volunteer fire department can manage, he had to make the decision to allow the fire department to become more of a business run by people who were paid a salary rather than done by volunteers because the volunteers could no longer be sufficient to save people's lives. And that was very painful for him because it had been his family's identity for several generations. And he had to let that go so that he could be sure that lives could be saved. Do you hear? Sometimes when we have a larger purpose, we make changes in things that we really value because our larger purpose keeps us focused on what is most important. And I would suggest to you, and by some of you nodding your heads, I think you understand that that is the way of faith, and that is the way we are called to live with as much clarity as God is willing to give us about our own purposes in life, and then with that lens, making the kinds of choices which will be sometimes very difficult for us in the short term because of our need to fulfill something in the long term. And as we do that, we find in the ways I was describing in terms of our own becoming and growing, that our capacity to live into God's purposes grows. And so we become more and more Christ-like as we put our sights on God's purposes for our lives and, um, and live from there. So as Christian people, I think that's what we're called to do. Would you agree? Yes. I promise... I promise you that I will strive every day to live my life according to God's purposes. Will you do the same? Yes. yes. 
And will you support one another in that, in that important and costly work? Yes. That, my friends, is what makes us Christian community and disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen?